Are you tired of blending in with others at a wrestling event? We've got your ticket to stand out, my friends. Check out Grapple Apparel, where thread spin stories and style takes the spotlight. Join forces with Grapple. Match up, stand out, craft your story with Grapple Apparel. Express, impress, every thread's a tale at Grapple. Follow the excitement at Grapple Wrestling on social media. That's G-R-P-P-L Wrestling, where Grapple Wrestling meets unmatched style. being a kid you know like yeah i had friends but there's just something about a bunch of people who you don't really know they don't really know you saying like wow you're like a big deal and being a kid being able to take that in it was great it was really a euphoric high and i credit it for the reason that i'm still here i was on my phone and i was talking about defending i was talking about what was going on with relentless pro i was talking about what was going on with my booking with what not only with the chris aaron booking but with what i was booking for other people in coh in our pro and it just kind of hit me what am I doing? Hello, this is Dalton Crooks. I am the creator of the Chris Aaron character and CAW. I am also the creator of the announcer character, which goes by my real name, Dalton Crooks. This is Pardon the Lariat, where pixels collide with wrestling passions. The podcast that goes beyond the ropes and brings you interviews with visionaries from the Wrestleverse who share the pivotal moments in their journey to reshape the gaming landscape and build and lead a faction that has your back in the squared circle. I'm your host, Ryan Grappon. Today, Al Dalton Crooks left his wrestling boots in the ring, pulled away the championship, and put on the hat of authority. All this and more. On Pardon the Lariat. At three years old, Dalton Crooks sat on the couch, engrossed in Blue's Clues. But his destiny would take a turn when his uncle barged in, switching the channel to Monday Night Raw. Little did he know, that moment would spark a lifelong passion for pro wrestling. Fast forward to age 12 or 13, Dalton stumbled upon Pure Chaos Wrestling, a vibrant EFED, later rebranded as GCA. The turning point in Dalton's journey occurred at the Path to Glory event, where he clinched the Chaos Leaders Championship and won a battle royal in the main event for a shot at the world title. However, the road to GCA's world title hit bumps, echoing the start and stop nature of PCW and GCA. Yet, Dalton's experience marked him as a pivotal creator in the Russellverse. Enter Code of Honor, a rise in EFED, where Dalton, recruited by creator Daniel Lyons, became a central figure. Dalton, along characters from PCW and GCA, became an instrumental part in shaping COH's narrative. Life had its interruptions, and Dalton took breaks from the EFED scene. In 2019, a misdiagnosed stomach infection nearly claimed Dalton's life, prompting a hiatus for recovery. Rejuvenated, Dalton returned to the scene as a general manager of COH Overdrive and also contributing to Relentless Pro's management, handling PR duties for CWs. But at the peak of his EFEDN journey, a revelation struck Dalton during a friend's bachelor party. Surrounded by talks of weddings, wrestling bookings, and character stories, he questioned the path he was on. At 3 a.m., Dalton, amidst the reveille, realized he was missing out on life beyond the wrestling realm. Fueled by this epiphany, he declared, I have to stop, I have to get away. Leaving the scene abruptly, Dalton prioritized real-life connections over the niche hobby dominating his existence. It wasn't long before Relentless Pro reached out proposing a commissioner role. 
hesitant, yet intrigued, Dalton saw an opportunity to rejoin the scene, contributing through recorded audio promos for the commissioner. Balancing fun with friends and a renowned focus on life, Dalton found a way to merge his passion for e-fetting with a healthier perspective. This is the creation story of Chris Aaron, the commissioner. I mean, if you want to start from the very beginning, three years old, sitting on my, my parents' couch, watching Blue's Clues when my uncle came in and flipped the channel, and I was very upset as a three-year-old. Uh, he said, just be quiet and, and watch. And I watched Stone Cold Steve Austin beat the tar out of somebody, and I was hooked. Fast forward from there, every Monday watching Raw, every Thursday at the time, and then Friday watching SmackDown. Eventually, as TNA came into existence, started watching that, I was just hooked immediately. And then at the age of either 12 or 13, I stumbled across a little promotion at the time called PCW. Started watching there due to some different reasons. PCW took a hiatus, and by the time I officially joined, they had started to make a comeback, kind of went away again, came back as GCA, and that is where I actually started to make a name for myself. That year, I won their version of the Cruiserweight Championship, the, the Chaos Libre title, and then later on that same night, actually, it was their Rumble pay-per-view. I think it was called Path to Glory, if I'm not mistaken. Won the opening match, won the Chaos Libre Championship, and uh, Close the night, I won the Rumble. And then before I was able to have my big moment, my big match for the world title, unfortunately, GCA shut down. But that stretch established me in that group of EFED characters, uh, many of whom are still going today. I established myself there. Everything kind of went away and didn't do anything for a while. And then eventually, a little EFED show called COH, Code of Honor, came into existence. They brought me in pretty quickly. It was started by a guy that was in PCW, it was in GCA. The whole core group of, of COH was all there. So they all knew me. They brought me in with the intention of making it a big deal. And it was a big deal from 2K13, 2K14. Continued to make a, a big name for myself. And I did that all the way through. Had a hiatus here and there, but that's like a very brief overview, but that's really where it started. Without GCA, I wouldn't have been brought to COH. Without COH, people would not know who I am in eFetting today. What were your emotions on the night you clinched both the Chaos Liberty's Championship and triumphant in the Path of Glory Battle Royal at GCA's Path of Glory event? How did it feel to have these two significant accomplishments in a single night? Yeah, it was huge, especially because I was so young. I, I was a kid. I was a child. And to have an entire community looking at me like, wow, this kid is a big deal. Like, he did this. It was oddly satisfying and really brought, like, a big joy to my life. Being a kid, you know, like, yeah, I had friends, but there's just something about a bunch of people who you don't really know. They don't really know you saying, like, wow, you're, like, a big deal. And being a kid, being able to take that in, it was great. It was really a euphoric high. And I credit it for the reason that I'm still here. It gave me a sense of euphoria that I still experience whenever the, the situations are right, when the right story hits, whenever we reveal something that we have been, you know, kind of knowing we were going to do, but but hadn't done yet. Like whenever anything like that happens, it really, it brings a sense of joy. Like, yeah, we did that. Uh, and it was the same for when I was a kid, for everything that happened in GCA. Can you describe the moments when life demanded your attention, causing breaks in your eFedin journey? What pulls someone like you away from a big fed with friends to focus more on life? 
Yeah. In 10 years, your life, especially from the ages of 12 to 23, your life changes a lot, turns out, <laughs> as a shocker. I've had a couple times in my life where I've stepped away from the, I think, from WWE 12 to 2K15 was a solid stretch where I was there the whole time. And during the 2K15 game cycle, the owner of COH, Daniel Lyons, and I got into a bit of a, an argument over the direction of Aaron and it caused me to leave COH but at the time because of leaving COH I was just like well I'm just not going to go anywhere like that was my home I didn't have any desire to go anywhere else so I left and didn't do anything in e-fetting or in call at all for a while and then I believe 2k16 I came back to the fold kind of reintegrated got back in there and then I wound up leaving again I don't know if that was necessarily I think that was just I needed some time away again wound up coming back for the 2K18, 2K19 game cycle, was having a blast. I was also doing commentary for another show around this time called NGCW. So I was still keeping busy. I wasn't having a wrestler involved, but I was still staying in the EFED and the cost space. And then, unfortunately, during the 2K19 cycle, by this point I had come back, I was doing wrestling again. I was really on a hot streak that year. I was having the best year of my entire EFED run. I was on fire. I was winning tournaments. I was winning titles. I was doing all of this stuff and then in 2019 for the 2k19 game cycle i had a misdiagnosed stomach infection that to be frank almost killed me because we didn't know it was an infection and the doctors didn't know it was an infection that really took a toll on me and obviously took me away from e-fetting and at the time i was right lined up for a world title like i said i had a hot streak and i was just about there and i had never won a world title at the time still haven't but i had never won a world title and i was finally you know gonna do it and then i got sick and i had to leave and unfortunately in in doing that it really derailed a lot of my momentum but life comes first and i had to do that so i leave i kind of take my time get healthy and as i start to get healthy and i start to come around i finally come back and really just wanted to get right back to where we where we left off. I wanted to just hit the ground running. So I come back, start again, do the whole thing. And then as this second big run comes, I become the general manager of COH Overdrive, which was one of their shows. I helped at the time in management for Relentless Pro. I was helping kind of do HR related duties. I was helping do the wrestling. I was helping do the booking. I was helping doing all this stuff. Really, 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 really busy. And that's where you get to another phase of life where my most recent departure before my most recent comeback, I left. And I haven't really talked about this with a whole lot of people, so I'll just really bear it all out. My reasoning for leaving was entirely personal. Basically, I was doing all this stuff. I was so busy with eFetting. It was the most busy I'd ever been. It was the most responsibility I had ever had. I know it's it's just eFetting. It's not serious. It's not life or death. But I was treating it like a big deal. I was being entrusted with these duties and I was doing them. In the midst of all that, I one day was at my friend's bachelor party the night before his wedding. I was laying on his living room floor. Everyone around me was asleep. All the other dudes had gone to sleep. It was two, three in the morning and I was laying there. And instead of sleeping, preparing for my friend's wedding, instead of doing all that, I was on my phone and I was talking about eFetting. I was talking about what was going on with Relentless Pro. I was talking about what was going on with my booking, with what, not only with the Chris Aaron booking, but with what I was booking for other people in COH, in R Pro. And it just kind of hit me, what am I doing? I have got friends 
who are getting married, who are having kids, who are doing all this stuff. And it wasn't a sense of like, why am I not doing that? It was a sense of this is all happening and I'm more focused on my fake wrestling hobby than I am spending time with the people around me. Also at that time of the job, I had moved away from my hometown for the first time. I had taken a job at the time thought was secure and then world got flipped turned upside down and suddenly I didn't have a job the company shut down not only finding I'm not spending as much time with the people around me I was closed off more I was sacrificing spending time with people to play wrestler and then also I lose my job and I'm in a new town and I'm in a home by myself I'm away from my parents and all this stuff and it was just like I I have to stop I have to get away and so I left. I three in the morning, I got a phone call with three of my closest friends in eFetting. Their characters are Psycho G, Matsuda Tanaka, and Tone White. Got into a call with him at three in the morning and just said, hey guys, I need to stop. Tanaka is, is the owner of R Pro. G was helping book things at the time, was one of the GMs. And Tone, while not being on management for anything, was a super well-respected member of COH, had been a member of management COH for years. I actually took over as GM for him in a capacity. I was one half GM. I was being overseen by Daniel Lyons, who's the owner of COH. And I just pulled them all on the call and I said, guys, I need to go. I can't, I can't keep doing this. I explained everything. I wasn't mad at anyone. I wasn't upset at anyone. I didn't have like a grudge. It wasn't anything like that. It was just, I had to go. My personal life, I was putting too much stock in this hobby and not enough stock in my real life. And I just had to step away. So that's what I did. I quit everything cold turkey. I stepped away from COH. I stepped away from R Pro. It had nothing to do with anyone in the e-fetting sphere. It was just me. I just had to go. So I stepped away and then I got a message from Relentless Pro, from Tanaka, from G. They reached out to me and they were like, hey, you interested in coming back? And I was like, no. <laughs> no, I'm about to start a new job, having the time of my life with my friends, my dog. I love him. <laughs> like, I'm spending more time with my dog. I'm doing all this stuff. And they were like, okay, well, would you be interested in being a commissioner? And I was like, well, what does that look like? What do you guys want out of that? And they were like, you don't need to show up. You don't need to be there. You don't need to do any story beats. All we need you to do is to agree to do something, record the lines that we need, and that's it. We don't expect anything else from you. If you just record your lines, send them to us, we'll take care of the rest. We'll record the scenes. We'll put you in the scenes. We'll do all that. We'll do all of it. All you need to do is record promos and send them to us. And I've been doing promos for a long time. I can rattle off a promo like nothing. So that's the easy part. So I was like, you know what? I get to be involved. I get to kind of talk to my friends. I get to watch the shows when I have the time. I get my character gets to be there and involved. They get a benefit. They get a character out of it that gets to have an established history. People are actually interested in the character. So it kind of helps them out. It's really a win-win. I don't have to labor over doing this thing. I get to just kind of have fun with it and take kind of a backseat, let other people do their thing. And I get to just be an on-screen commissioner and kind of have fun with everyone doing their stories. And I just get to be lucky enough to be a small part of it. And that's my most recent comeback. And there's been a lot of people that have been like, oh yeah, when are you going to wrestle? I'm not. I'm not involved in the show. I don't own the game. I didn't make Chris Aaron. Tanaka did. I have no tie to eFetting at this point outside of I record promos every now and then, like once a week, I record a promo and send it into the people that need it. That's it. I'm not involved in any other capacity. I'm not doing the wrestling part. I'm not doing any of it. (laughs) I'm just the commissioner and I'm happy to do that. I'm content. There's things that I wanted to do before I left that I didn't get to do. But at the end of the day, it's a hobby. It's not the the end of the world. It's not, not a big deal. I did what was best for me and I left and I'm back and I get to have fun again. How do you manage the delicate work-life harmony? Yeah, I I manage the work-life 
and the the life be fed balance super well. It really doesn't interfere anymore. I am able to go to work, come home from work, do things in my off time. I have more time. And since I'm not doing everything, I've really found that balance of what I can do and what I can't do, what I have time for, what I don't have time for. It's a lot easier to maintain that balance when you're not as involved, which is why I'm not as, I know how I am. And when I get involved, I want to do more and more and more and more and more. It's just how I am. It's not a, it's not a need to be important. It's not this thing of like, oh, I'm just so in love with e-fetting. It's an outlet for creativity. You know, you get to be involved in a community and you get to be involved with people and it's fun. And so I know if I let myself go, I will deep down into it and I'll lose myself in it not because I'm obsessed with it but because it is fun and it is like a little escape from reality and it's involving probably my favorite hobby in wrestling it's an important balance and I feel like I found it but in, it involves me not being a wrestler which is fine I've learned that 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 is okay and that there's nothing wrong with that and I still get to be involved so it's a win-win as the commissioner for Relentless Pro, what sets it apart from other eFeds and makes it a must-watch for wrestling fans? Oh, man. So I, I can only speak to my experience, obviously. But R-Pro, when I came to R-Pro, I came as a part of a tag team with a guy named Townsend. I went there looking to do this team, really looking for just the outlet for more creativity. And eventually that team, the team was just wasn't that successful and Townsend and I agreed to split up. And ultimately, I mean, it led to Townsend winning a world title and having a long reign. It led to me having a long reign with another championship of theirs. It was nice to be able to let out such an outlet of creativity. And that's what our pro is. You have a management team that wants creativity, that wants people who are interested in telling stories and doing interesting things. You've got a top-notch production. Tanaka is doing all of the graphics. He's doing most of what you see on stream. Other people record matches, like G helps record matches. Some of the other wrestlers help record their own matches. But they're, they're all such high-quality production. It's so easy to get in and watch. It's like, you know you're watching a video game, but there are some people that are so good at making it so real. It really just speaks to a wrestling fan who you're already in real life. You're watching this fake thing. These guys, you know, do scripted wrestling and they're not really beating each other up. And they're telling these stories about characters who aren't real. It's the same thing, but it's a video game. So it's like you're just as easy to get lost in, in it all because it's the same thing just in a virtual world. And our pro, I feel, is the best at doing that. And that is not a, that is not a slight on any other eFed company or call company or HLR company. It is not a slight on any other company. Every company has their own thing. They have their own you know pros, their own cons. They all bring their own thing to the table. Our pro, just for me, was the peak of my creative happiness. And when I watch an R-Pro show, I know I'm in for a treat. And every single show I watch is just as compelling as the last. Every single pay-per-view that they do is just as compelling as the last. R-Pro just brings something special and a connectivity between the people that are in charge. They all are on the same page. They all get what they're doing. There's not like this big ego trip involved with, well, this show or that show or this character or that character. They all have the same goal in mind, which is is tell the best stories, do the best work we can, put on the best matches, make a compelling show that makes everyone want to watch, not have a few people have fun. 
I just think our pro is doing it better than anybody else. And I respect anyone who has a different opinion. There, Like I said, there's plenty of other great shows out there. I have not seen one that I feel lives up to what our pro is doing and has been doing for the last like two, three years. Reflecting on the last 10 to 12 years, a peak in e-fetting. Can you comment on the evolution of content production and e-fets like Relentless Pro and the standards they have set? It is, it is nuts how far e-fitting has come from when I started to now. I mean, like you look at the earliest e-fits, you're talking mail in, like you write your match down and you mail it into some dude's house and he puts it on the website. Like you're talking, or not even website, like write in and they put it in the in their little newsletter that they would do. Like they're talking from that to today with being able to stream live on Twitch using all the tools of video editing, recording lines like like voice actors. You know, everyone in e-fetting is a voice actor, whether or not they're good or not is the question. But you got voice actors doing their thing. You've got literal just top-notch production. It is insane how far e-fetting has come from what it was to what it is. Yeah, and even when I started, it was it was match, 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 match. But there, were, I mean, there were story beats in there. The games had built-in scene creators, like you could make scenes and have promos, and that was all there. But it's it's on it's on a different level, and that is without like the games have taken out that ability to you know, record it and put it into a show. That that's been removed entirely. But yet somehow they have still managed to make it work. They did remove it. They brought it back. It sucks now, in my opinion. It's not nearly as good as it used to be. It takes forever to render. It, like, there's way less scenes than there used to be. It's just, it's not as good. So when I, I'm being a little facetious there by saying it was removed entirely. It, it, it was, and then it was brought back, and it's just not nearly as good anymore. But yet, even with that, people have found creative ways to, to make it more interesting. It really is. Like I say it's the peak, and I mean it. It is the peak of, of everything that e-fetting has been and, and is becoming. And hopefully there's more and more and more growth as the time goes on. Coming from winning multiple championships as Chris Aaron, what prompted the shift to becoming the commissioner for Relentless Pro? Can you explain your role in handling the factions and backstage chaos? Just to kind of explain the role. So the idea was basically there was a lot more people were sending in a lot more scenes where there was constant attacks, just attack after attack after attack. And it seemed like every story was cruxed on somebody attacking someone else. And it was kind of like, I want to find ways to do this that are more interesting than just attack, attack, attack. So when they brought the commissioner role to me, it was about finding a, a character that could bring law and order to the locker room that was a character that was well-respected enough the, that it would make sense for people to want to follow. Aaron, in our pro, when I, that, that last year of our pro, I went on an undefeated streak for a long time in our pro. I have been beat in our pro. I think it's a t- like in singles matches, I think I was beat three times. One of those was my retirement match. One of those was losing a title. Like I ha- was very rarely beaten. So there became this level of respect of like Aaron, the character of Aaron is more than likely gonna win. That's kind of the idea. He's going to go in there. He's going to drop you on your head. He's going to hit you with a bunch of German suplexes. He's going to lair you until you don't have a neck. He's going to drop you on your head with a burning hammer. And he's going to pin you one, two, three. And that's Chris Aaron. Like, <laughs> that was the whole the whole character for that last year. And so they wanted to have someone that kind of brought that already. They didn't need to put any work into it. You remember everything he did for our pro and when he was here? Well, yeah, now he's the commissioner. So, yeah, he's not going to wrestle you. But if you get out of line, 
he can pick you up and drop it on your head if he needs to. That's, you know, kind of the idea. So it kind of, the, the incentive for one to do it, it's easy work. Like I said, all I do is send in promos. I don't see the final product until the show is happening. Whatever promo I'm in, I don't even see it until the show is live. Like I'm involved very little in the actual process, which is nice. It lets the Aaron character be there without having to do all the work involved. So the, the groundwork was already laid through my 10 years of experience. And that last year of our pro for me really laid the groundwork for what, what this commissioner character can do and is about. So it's just really easy. It's just really easy to pull off for me and for the character and for everyone to buy into it. Very few people look at it and are like, well, this is just completely dumb. And this is, why would anyone care? Like. People are generally the owner of, of our pro. He reached out to me and said, I've had multiple people that have reached out wanting to do scenes with the commissioner, wanting to work with the commissioner, wanting to work the commissioner into their story. Great, like awesome, thank you. Like It proved in one night. All, and that was before, like that was the first night I, I walked out at Relentless Pro's last pay-per-view, Unfiltered Violence. I went out there, all I did was cut a four minute promo saying, hi, I'm the commissioner. If you know me, then you know what I'm about. If you don't know me, here's what I'm about. Here's what's gonna happen starting on the next show there's going to be law and order it's without any proof of anything happening that was my only thing on the show and i haven't done anything on any other shows since people are reaching out going i want to involve the commissioner in my story i want to do this i want to do that like people are interested in the concept and in the idea and they're interested in what can we do to make it more interesting not just attack but what can we do to add a layer to what we're trying to do to the story we're trying to tell that brings a lot of joy to me to know that there are people who look at, oh, Chris Aaron is the commissioner. Now I'm interested in this position, like what this is gonna entail, because I know that it's not just some character, some some nobody, or some secondary character that's actually being run by somebody else. This is the guy, this is Chris Aaron, this is, that's it. There's no behind the scenes, someone else doing like, no, it's me. I get to just do this. And I, I don't know, it just, it's, it's special. It's special to me and I think it's, I think it's already special to quite a few people in our pro, and I think it's going to be more and more special as time goes on. I think people are going to realize what we're trying to do, and they're going to be on board, and they're going to say, like, that was a good idea. The overall benefit to this commissioner role was a good idea, and it helped in the long run. How do you prevent the commissioner from becoming a focal point of a show? When characters want your involvement in their storylines, how do you redirect the focus to the company rather than your role? That's actually something that has that I have brought up. There are stories that I will be directly involved with that I'm not the focal point, but I am an important point of the story. Like there are those stories that are specifically set up that way. Where it's like the commissioner in this equation is a big deal. And then there's some other stories that other people have reached out wanting me to be involved where I'm not the focal point. And I don't want to be the focal point of someone else's story. I, I had people that were like, oh, I wanna do this thing. And I'm like, well, okay. How can we make sure the commissioner role is reactionary in some sense? And sometimes the commissioner doesn't be right there involved. He needs to react to what is happening in a lesser capacity. So someone attacks someone. And instead of it being a, the commissioner is there cutting a promo, the commissioner is in the scene just trying to separate them. You know, like making it little, little things where say you have two people that keep going back and forth. The commissioner comes in and can cut a quick promo saying like, if you touch each other again before the pay-per-view, then the pay-per-view is off. Or say it's for a title, you don't get your title shot. Like little things we can do to sprinkle it in. But at the end of the day, I do want to make sure it's of the utmost importance that I'm not just the guy for the entire show. 
admittedly, for the first little bit, there are a lot of things that, that Aaron's going to be doing. He's going to be involved in a lot because they're, we're trying to establish the, the commissioner character and, and make it known that like, yeah, this is a thing. So there are some stories that I am heavily involved with right out of the gate, and that is by design. But as time goes on, the commissioner role will fade more into the background. It will be more of a secondary role. But when the character is needed for a bigger, important thing, the character's there, and it's easy to, to plug in and use where it's needed. You come to me with ideas. This person has an idea. This person has, has an idea. This person has an idea. They don't all know that they all have an idea, so they all come to me like, I want to do this thing. And before you know it, it's like, okay, I've got five people that want to work with me, which is great, makes me feel good, but that just means that I'm all over the show. And so it comes a level of like, okay, well, what if this week you do this and I'm not involved, and the next week I get involved in your story and I don't be involved in this other person's story? Like trying to find the balance of, okay, don't be all over the show. So have a point here, have a point here. And also a benefit to that is they have dominance and defiance. So they have two different like weekly shows. So I'm able to kind of spread out over both of those shows. I am on both shows, but I'm not the focal point of both shows. I kind of have my own things in each. So it's really me having to find that balance of like, I'm already doing X, Y, Z. So maybe I hold off on this person's thing. Or maybe we don't do that until this week or that week or whatever the case may be. Definitely a balancing act that because the role is just now starting, as of this recording, our first show with the commissioner outside of my debut is tonight. We're just about to find out what is that balance and, and what do we need to do to maintain that balance and what is too much and what isn't enough. And how long do we push that before we decide, you know, the commissioner character isn't needed anymore. And I go back to obscurity where I belong. <laughs> Do you have concerns that creators may push for a feud between their character and the commissioner, potentially altering the hobby's focus? I, yes. <laughs> um, that was one thing. When they approached me about the role, I told them, I don't want to wrestle. I don't want to do anything that's going to insinuate that I'm going to wrestle. I don't want there to be anything that's even going to hint that, oh, Aaron's going to be the blow off of this of this story. That's not what I want. I don't want to be the blow off of the story. I don't want to be involved in the wrestling. I get to talk to my friends. I get to cut promos. I get to hang out in the shows that I'm able to make it to. That's it. That's the whole scope of this whole operation. So with that knowledge, when people come to me, if they pitch an idea that I feel is like they're pulling me in a little too much, I just say, no, that's too much. You're trying too hard with, with me. This isn't about me. This is about you and, and who you're wrestling. So I haven't had that problem yet where someone's trying to like, oh, well, we can blow this off with you having a match. Especially because it's so new that hasn't happened yet. But I know when that comes, it's just a matter of saying, no, I'm not interested. That is not the point of why I'm doing this. And it's going to derail anything that's already being planned and in the work. No, it hasn't happened yet. Yes, I'm sure it will happen. The easy answer for me is no. I'm not going to do that. The night of my debut, I sat in a Discord call and there were different people that were like, oh yeah, sure, you're just commissioner. And I had to keep saying like, no, you got like you guys don't get it. I'm just the commissioner. And once I told them like, I don't have the game. I'm not on the game. I didn't make Aaron. I'm not, I won't even be here for the live show every single week. I'm not guaranteeing that I'll be around that often. I'm going to be cutting voice promos, and so you'll hear those on the show. That's it, and that can be done at any time. Admittedly, the other day, I recorded a bunch of dialogue for Dominance and Defiance, but I did it all in one day. I don't even have to think about it again for another two weeks. It's like, that's how in the back of my mind it is. It's People think that I'm uber-involved. I'm not. 
I'm just not that involved. I don't want to be. That's the point. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's it, it's definitely been fun to try to explain myself and, and tell people like, no, it's not happening. But it's not happening. It's just not. Now for a fun one. What wrestling move inspired by a breakfast item would you create? A wrestling move out of a breakfast item. Oh man, I start thinking, let's say, you know, a waffle, right? A waffle is like, it's a flat breakfast item. So like to me, I would do a move where I drop someone on their neck and I crumple them until they're flat on the ground and I call it a waffle. (laughs) Or, oh wait, that's already a thing. It's called a flapjack. Never mind. (laughs) Already a wrestling move. So I guess I would just do a flapjack. There we go. Can you provide a teaser of your goals as commissioner in Relentless Pro for viewers unfamiliar with the company? How do you plan to manage a massive EFED like it? I can give you a little a little tease of what's to come. The GM, the on-screen GM of Relentless Pro, James Barnett, was in an ambulance match at the last paper, and he lost, and he just beat up. So because of that, the GM is going to be away for a little bit. So the commissioner role is going to be a little more important because well, I, there is no GM. So the commissioner's kind of doing dual roles for the for a little bit here. So that's going to be interesting. I will be a little bit more involved than initially planned, but it's just for a short period of time. It's for a couple shows. So you know, the commissioner is going to be kind of the, the focal point. But tonight, there's a really big thing happening, and it's going to lead to what I'm going to be involved in for the next month uh, or I, I say the next month the way that the r pro schedule works not quite a not quite a month they do bi-weekly now so the next pay-per-view cycle we kind of have mapped out and there's going to be someone who is going to be attacked on tonight's show and if you hear this after the fact you'll know who that is and chris aaron has to launch an investigation into figuring out who did it why they did it what their motivations were and ultimately give the victim the, the justice they deserve and allow them to get their hands on the culprit. And that's the story that we're starting tonight that Aaron's going to be most heavily involved in this is the investigation of the attack of insert person here. I won't spoil it, but that's what's going on. So come back after that show, come back and watch this and you'll know, you'll know what's going on. Investigating a unique plot and the costing seems interesting. What does success look like to you? As commissioner, what defines a good and not so good day as terms of success? In terms of my commissioner role, a great day, no one got attacked. No one no one broke the rules. People stayed in line and did what they were supposed to and had fun and told interesting stories. That's a good day. That's that's a success for me as a commissioner. As a as a person in e-fetting, really, did I have fun? Did the people I work with have fun? Did I do something compelling and that I make friends along the way. And for me, that has always been yes. And I've made my enemies and I'm at a point in my life, I couldn't, if someone in e-fetting has a problem with me, like for real, I couldn't care less. Uh, it's not a big deal. Like who cares? You don't know me. I don't know you. Get over it. Like I don't hold grudges. I'm at that point where it's like, to me, did I have fun? Did my friends have fun? Did I make more friends? I consistently check those boxes off. I meet new people. I make more friends. I have fun every week. So I'm I'm happy. I feel successful in everything that I've been able to do. I could not be more pleased with what I've been able to do and the people I've been able to meet. E-fetting has been such an important part of my life and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I have made lifelong friends here. I, I owe a lot to e-fetting. A lot of my formative years, I had a lot of fun doing this. It was a great release for teenage me 
for adult me. It gave me an escape from the problems of real life. If just for a couple hours on a day or two a week, I couldn't be more happy to be involved and more pleased with what I've been able to do, really. Where can listeners find you on social media to stay connected? Yeah, social media-wise, the only thing I talk about e-fetting on is is on Twitter or X, as they call it now, since we don't know how to not ruin a good thing. You can find me on Twitter. My username is Saltine Daltine. So like a saltine cracker and then just replace the S with a D, saltine daltine. My at on Twitter or X is saltine dalti. So saltine D-A-L-T-I. You can find me on there. You can follow me. I Sometimes I tweet about e-fetting. Sometimes I tweet about wrestling. Sometimes you might find something on there about football or baseball. I like sports, so I, I might talk about anything like that. But usually it's wrestling, whether that's you know real life or e-fetting. You find a lot of wrestling on there. So if you're down for my very opinionated, very not very censored opinion on how I feel about things, you can find it on there. Dalton, you're in a coffee shop, stand next to a young wrestling fan who has built the next big thing in the Wrestleverse. They are jazzed about it, and they want to show it to you. They are ready to go show it to the world. What advice would you give this person having gone down this road a bit already? I kind of already touched on it, but I'll, I'll say it again. If you're involved in e-fetting or if you're interested in getting involved in e-fetting, at the end of the day, it's a hobby. We're here to have fun. That's it. Come in, tell interesting stories, hang out with people, have fun. And if you're in e-fetting and you have problems with people, realize that you don't know them. You don't know them at all. You've never met them. You have no tie to them. All you know is what you've seen on Twitter or heard in a Discord call or seen on a fake wrestling show. You don't know these people. If you truly, truly, actually have a legitimate beef with someone in e-fetting because you don't like some aspect of their character who you know nothing about, grow up go outside, touch grass. Like, it's not a big deal. It's not the end of the world. Move on. Get a job. Get a girlfriend. Get a dog. Have a life. (laughs) You'll be happier for it. Don't spend your time wasting it on being upset at someone in e-fetting. My God. (laughs) Please. I'm begging you. That's it. All right, Dalton. Last question. Let's delve into your journey into the e-fed scene. How long have you been a part of the Wrestleverse? December of last year was my 10-year anniversary. 10 years. So 11 years almost now at the end of this year. That's nuts. Yeah, I don't think about it until I say it. And then it's like, whoa, <laughs> been in this for a while. Well, Dalton, thank you for being on Pardon the Lariat and telling the creation story of Chris Aaron, the commissioner. Thank you. This concludes another session of Pardon the Lariat. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tag Pardon the Lariat on social media with a screenshot of what you enjoyed most by this episode. Pardon the Lariat is hosted and produced by Ryan Grapon. Be sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Those things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.